You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad you're joining us for another episode. If this is your first time listening, we want to say welcome to you and invite you to come on in and listen to what we have to say. If you enjoy what you're hearing, we'd encourage you to become a subscriber and download our content on a regular basis. We release episodes every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So again, if you haven't done so, please subscribe. For those of you who are already subscribers and routine listeners, we just want to say thank you. And I do want to ask for a little bit of help. So um, all of you have heard the term big tech, and you know that big tech is out there. And uh, big tech likes to throttle uh, content, particularly content that we do like Christian content, uh, things that are on the Bible. And so to overcome that, we need uh, your help by liking, sharing, uh, commenting, rating, reviewing. So wherever you're listening to us, whether that's on Facebook, YouTube, uh, on your podcast app, maybe iTunes, wherever it may be, uh, somewhere on that platform, there's an opportunity for you to hit the like button, uh, to make a comment or to rate uh, the podcast. So we just ask that if you would take just a few moments this week and uh, do one of those for us, and that'll help us get over the hump and be able to get our message further out to those who don't know about the podcast. We'll go higher up in the kind of registry list and be able to be seen. And uh, hopefully we'll have more listeners that will join us and want to study in on God's Word. So if you could do that, we would greatly appreciate it. Well, on this week, we are going to be continuing our study through Faith's Hall of Fame found in Hebrews chapter 11. We've entitled this study by faith. And thus far in the study, Dad, you know, we've looked at two lives uh, of the members of the Hall of Fame. We've looked at Abel and we've looked at Enoch. And uh, in Abel, we discovered a worship that pleases God. Remember, Abel, he gave the appropriate sacrifice, one that was more pleasing to God than his brother. Mm-hmm. And through that, he, he became uh, righteous uh, through that act. And then we looked at the life of Enoch last time, and we found how to walk with God by faith. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first two members. This week, we're going to be looking at the third member of the Hall of Faith. And so we'll be looking at the life of Noah. Now, Noah is probably one of the most recognizable figures from the Bible. However, if you listen to our series, uh, The Depths of Mercy, that we did on Jonah, we talked about an issue that sometimes happens with uh, these early characters or early figures in the Old Testament. Sometimes, like Jonah, Noah gets just kind of uh, relegated to just being a, a Bible story for children. And uh, oftentimes we, when we think Noah, we think of a little you know, bath toy uh, that floats around a boat in the, in, the, in the bathtub with some animals on it. But uh, in reality, yes, he did make an ark, and yes, there were animals involved. There is a much larger lesson um, about faith that we can learn from the life of Noah. It's an amazing lesson of faith, mm-hmm. and for that reason, that's why he's included in the Hall of Faith. And so we're going to dive into uh, Noah's life and see how a faith that pleases God makes us useful to the purpose of God's will. And so uh, just to get us started here, let's look at our main text, uh, what the main text has to say about Noah. So again, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 to start off today. And so if you got your Bible, turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 7, and it says, By faith, again, there's our key words that we like to, to use, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to the faith. So, Dad, we're going to be looking at the life of Noah. And when I think about Noah's life, um, really, there I think about, of course, his faith, but I think about you know four titles uh, that really describe <clears throat> the life of Noah. I think about 
him being a builder, uh, him being a believer, him being a preacher, and him being an heir. And so let's dive in and look at those uh, those titles. And first I want us to look at Noah being a believer. Now, we already know from our main text that Noah had faith, um, but Noah's faith or his belief in God was strong, mm-hmm. and the way he lived his life was proof of it. And so let's listen to how Noah was described in Genesis uh, chapter 6, verse 9 here. It says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Verse 9 describes three notable things about Noah. It says that he was a just man, he was perfect in his generation, and that he walked with God. The first one, that he was a just man, the word translated just could also be translated right, correct, or lawful. In the Old Testament, to be just means to be genuine and sincere. And so as a just man, Noah was genuine and sincere in his actions toward others, but more importantly, toward God. And as a just man, Noah had a genuine and sincere heart. And with that genuine and sincere heart, he wanted to do what was right by God. It also says that Noah was perfect in his uh, generation. Now, this doesn't mean that Noah was perfect, for we know that only one person uh, who's ever lived has been perfect, that being Jesus. But what it does mean is that Noah lived his life in an upright manner. He was wholesome. He had integrity. And so Noah had made mistakes in the past, certainly, and he would make mistakes in the future, most definitely. But Noah did his best to live a life that was blameless before others and blameless before God. And then lastly, it said again that he he walked with God. And note that this is the exact same phrase that was used to describe Enoch in our last episode. So we see that Noah was following in the footsteps of his great-grandfather. As we discussed, to walk with God means that Noah had more than just a simple belief or head knowledge in God. Noah had a relationship with God and diligently sought after the things of God. That's right. You know, Noah was a descendant of Adam from the godly line of Seth. Now, Enoch, who we talked about last week, who the Bible says walked with God, just like you've been mentioning that Noah walked with God, Enoch was Noah's great-grandfather. Now, this just goes to prove that if you live for God, your life will have a bearing on subsequent generations after you. One of my favorite verses of Scripture to to read uh, pertaining to uh, children and their parents and raising children up the right way is Proverbs 22, 6, that says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This teaches that it is generally true that a child raised to love God will continue to do so as a grown-up. Now, folks, uh, Noah here, he was brought up in a godly family a family that walked with the Lord. And so it just goes to reason that here he is, he's walking with God too. Now, I know there's there's some parents that are listening to our podcast, and they profess to be Christians, but yet they're not walking with God. They're not serving God every day like they should. Now, I want to tell you something. Your children are not going to attain Uh, spirituality most likely any farther than what you have. As a matter of fact, uh, their commitment to God may even be less than your commitment to God. Are you satisfied with that, moms and dads out there? Uh, There's a lot that will take their kids to ball games, which there's nothing wrong with ball games. Our church here has upward sports, uh, soccer, basketball. For a number of years, had t-ball. I mean, I I think that's a great uh, thing for children, and, and it can be used to reach families for Christ. But, hey, let me tell you something. When it gets to the point 
that uh, taking your kids to ball practice and the ball games are more important than taking them to church and going to church with them and learning about God. Something's wrong with your priority. Something's mm-hmm. wrong with your life. And your children's going to see through your hypocrisy. And when they grow up, if, if uh, attending church and serving God on a daily basis, if it meant no more to you than what it does, it's not going to mean anything uh, to them either. So take a lesson from Noah, the believer, like Matt said. He's a believer. He walked with God, but I think that it was credited for him to walk with God because uh, that walking with God was demonstrated by the people before him. That's exactly right, Dad. And, you know, it's interesting. I've heard you say throughout my life that statement, you know, that the um, the the level of relationship or the godliness of, of children is usually not going to surpass that of their parents. And and for the longest time, you would say that and it kind of go in one ear and out the other. But now as a father um, and father of a daughter, uh, that rings so true to me, you know, that, you know, I need to push myself higher. I need to uh, to to live a better life and I need to be closer to God so that I can point uh, my daughter and my wife toward uh, Christ, and I, I want them to, to to have a great, strong relationship. And for that to happen, I need to have even a greater and stronger relationship uh, with Christ. And so that's a that's an excellent point. So we see uh, from verse 9 that Noah was a just man, he was a man of integrity, and that he walked with God. But I think there's another thing that we can draw from the Scripture about Noah, and that that is that he was uncompromising. Listen to what the Bible says about the time in which Noah lived. Let's look at um, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. We looked at this last week, but we'll read it again. It says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only on evil continually. Now drop down and look at verse 11. It says, The earth was so corrupt before God, the earth was filled with violence. Uh, Verse 12 here, So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted their way on earth. So, Dad, when I think about this, um, Noah lived in a time where there was great wickedness on the earth. We talked about it last time. We like to, to think that we live in a wicked time. But when we read these verses here, uh, Noah lived in a much more wicked time than we when we live, because right. God couldn't even find anyone else outside of Noah and his family uh, that were, were following the things of God. And so uh, even though in the midst of this terrible society he was living in, uh, Noah continued on, and he didn't compromise his faith. Uh, Noah was just, Noah had integrity, and Noah walked with God, and he didn't compromise to fit in to the society around him. But Dad, not only was uh, Noah a a believer, he was also a builder. Mm -hmm. And so let's look at Noah the builder. In Genesis 6, uh, verses 13 through 21, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, uh, God comes to Noah, and he commissions him to build an ark. Mm -hmm. Now, God told Noah that he had seen the wickedness of all humanity, and that he said that he was going to destroy all of humanity except Noah and his immediate family. And so God said that he would destroy every living thing with a flood. So God gave Noah specific instructions. God said, build an ark. He specified the wood to use, how to waterproof it, the exact dimensions to build, the placement of a window and a door, the number of levels, and even exactly what Noah should take with him on the boat. God had a detailed plan, and Noah followed it precisely. That's right. You know, uh, Jeff Kenley, he wrote a book on Noah entitled, As It Was in the Days of Noah. I like what Jeff Kenley 
pointed out in his book about Noah, he said that what God asked Noah to do was difficult and challenging and that it required Noah to be all in. Now, I'm a Clemson graduate, and of course, you know, Clemson's made its mark in college football scene over the years, having a little rough time this year, <laughs> uh, but for sure. But uh, their slogan at Clemson, their football team slogan, is all in. Now, folks, I want you to know that Noah, when God told him what to do, he wasn't partially in. He wasn't halfway in. He was all in. And when it comes to serving God, are you in? Are you all in? God never asked you to do something that he doesn't supply you with what you need. That's something else I thought about when I thought about him being a builder. Think about what God supplied Noah. He supplied Noah wisdom. You know, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, Noah needed some wisdom. Like you were saying, Matt, uh, he perhaps had never seen it rain before, yep. you know, because the earth at this time was covered with a canopy of water and that, uh, you know, the a mist came up from the ground and it watered the earth. And, of course, that, that canopy of water blocked out the harmful ultraviolet rays, which, you know, contributed to people living to be a very old age. Sure. And, you know, God's plan, you know, he set that canopy of water up there for probably uh, certainly more than one purpose. God's plan was one day that canopy. would be it, used. It'd be used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That canopy of water came down in the form of rain, flooded the, the earth, we know. And so, you know, more than likely, he'd never seen it rain. He had never perhaps even seen a boat before, you know, and and so he needed some wisdom. God told him specifically what to do, but uh, he gave him that wisdom all along the way. He also gave him materials. If you need something to do God's work, all you have to do is ask God for it, and God is going to supply it. Now, over in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, listen to what the Apostle John says. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, meaning God, that if we ask anything according to his, meaning God's will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, what we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Everything Noah needed to build the ark, God supplied everything. I mean, to begin with, God gave Noah instructions on how to build the ark, uh, the blueprints, you might say. Now, we've kind of alluded to this. They're found in Genesis chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. Now, over in Genesis 6, 15, the New International Version, I like the way it specifically spells this verse out. God speaking, he says to Noah, this is how you're to build the ark. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. And so in that version of the Bible, it it translates cubits into feet. That's why I like that. Well, according to this verse, the ark was one and a half times as long and one half as wide as a football field. Now, in regard to its length, it was long enough that NASA could lay three space shuttles across the top of the ark's roof. Now, buddy, that's long. Mm-hmm. And it was as tall as a four-story building. It's interesting to note that modern ships 
follow the same basic proportions uh, as the ark, six times longer than wide because these dimensions make for a stable craft in turbulent waters. And Noah could not have known the proper proportions apart from divine revelation. Mm. And uh, Noah was commanded to construct the ark with lower, middle, and upper decks. Um, You know, another thing when we think about this is the capacity, the size of the ark. I mean, it was large when in terms of cubits or translating it over into square feet. And, and it could contain many, many, many animals. Now, a lot of people th- say today, well, there's just no way possible, thinking of all the, the thousands upon thousands of species of animals today, that Noah could have, have taken two of each species. But Noah didn't take two of every species on the ark, only two of each kind of animal. The Bible says that kind. Now, the biblical kind is actually uh, more like the family level of classification. Uh, Recent studies have estimated that Noah may have cared for roughly 1,500 kinds of land-dwelling animals and flying creatures, and this includes all living and known extinct animals. In other words, when Noah, you know, uh, put uh, dogs on the ark, he didn't put you know, as we know dogs today, you've, you've got a, a poodle mix and a hound dog and, yeah, you all know, the all different these, breeds. Yeah, a different breed. He yeah. didn't put all these kinds of breeds on the ark. He put two dogs on the ark. That's right. And from those two dogs came the different breeds that we have uh, today. And so, you know, in a worst case scenario, uh, there would have been just over 7,000 land animals and flying creatures on the ark. And the, the size of of the ark on the inside would have easily allowed for all of those animals, especially many of them would be uh, smaller than a lamb, and some of the larger animals might be an egg form or, you know, uh, 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 the form of a a baby, you know. Mm -hmm. He could have easily taken all of those animals, had room left over for food for he and his family, and food for all of the animals. And so we see here that, that Noah... When he was building this ark, he followed the plan of God, dear friends. And listen, when you follow God's plan, God works everything out for you. That's exactly right, Dad. You you mentioned all in, and for me, the all in verse is verse 22. Let's read that together. Verse 22 of uh, chapter uh, 6 here, it says, Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. I find that verse amazing, Dad. Yeah. It didn't say that Noah asked questions. He didn't reason with God. I, I just think about, you know, in, in, in our life, many times we'll feel like God is, is leading us or telling us to do something. And a lot of times our first reaction is, God, did I hear you right? You know, and did, did Noah say, God, did I hear you right? You want me to build an ark? It doesn't say that. It just says that Noah did. He did exactly what he was commanded to do. He didn't get out there and start right. building. And, you know, you know, he said to make it so many cubics, but, I mean, really, do we need this much space? I'm just going to cut off a few cubics. Uh, that would save me from cutting down a, a bunch more gopher wood. 
Um, but it didn't say he did that. It said that he followed it through uh, to the T. He did everything that he was supposed to do, followed the instructions precisely. And that is just a great example of how Noah's faith in God led to obedience in God's plan and ultimately made him you know, useful for what God's will was, which was to, to bring about a flood to destroy the earth, but to repopulate the earth with Noah and his family. Now, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, gives us a couple interesting things to consider about Noah being a builder. And we've already touched on some of them, but I want to go back and hit them just one more time. Uh, and in verse 7, it says that Noah was divinely warned of things not seen. Now think about it. Noah was a farmer. Uh, he had likely never seen a boat, as we've already said. And I can promise you, he had never seen a structure as large as what you laid out. You just mm-hmm. said it was a multi-story building. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're, we're talking about being in the first six chapters of the Bible. There were no multi-story buildings. Like mm-hmm. He had never even seen something this large is what um, God was telling him to build. Uh, and, and, and again, he may never have ever seen it rain. You talked about the fact that uh, at that time, many, uh, many Bible scholars believe that uh, it had not rained because water you know, came up from the earth and that there was that canopy that you talked about, kind of like a rainforest almost, uh, that saturated the earth. And so you know, with all this being said, it had to be hard for Noah to understand what God was saying, but he dropped everything and he started construction. Mm-hmm. And he did it because what verse 7 says, he was moved by godly fear. So that's the other thing that we need to, to consider here. Moved by godly fear. That phrase, fear, uh, that's used here, doesn't mean that he was scared. It means reverence. And so building the ark, uh, Noah was doing an act of reverence. He was showing reverence to God. Noah built an ark because he had godly fear. That was not fear of God's punishment, but that was fear that he would not please God. And so um, I just find those those two points amazing that Hebrews chapter 7 references those. Uh, but talking about chapter 6, there's just a, some interesting things to consider there. Yeah. You know, uh, we were talking about the fact that God supplied Noah with wisdom, instructions. And yep. we, we read these specific instructions on how to build an ark. And I mentioned a while ago that he also provided Noah the materials. Think about the materials that went into building that ark, sure. uh, the, all of the wood, wood yep. the 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 gopher wood, you know, that went into that ark. Yeah. And of course, you're building a house right now, yep. and you had uh, uh, something uh, unfortunate to happen to you in the last uh, week or so. <laughs> That uh, and you can tell us about that in just a second. Well, tell us about what happened to you. Yeah, so uh, last I think it was last week, I uh, went to check on kind of the progress that was going on at, at the the new house that's uh, being constructed. And as I kind of turned around the corner to come around to the garage to go into the door uh, back there at the back, I noticed that our HVAC unit, uh, one of the outside units uh, for the upstairs, was missing, completely gone. Um, someone had come during the middle of the night and just cut the 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 cables or the uh, the pipes going to it and just hauled it right off and so uh, you know ultimately had to start going through the process of of getting police and uh, insurance and all that stuff and it wasn't for uh, just a few days later that my contractor called me and he said you ain't gonna believe this he's like that wasn't the only thing they got uh, they actually stole um, you know trim pieces uh, crown molding a uh, tongue and groove ceiling uh, the the list was fairly significant uh, of what they what they took and so. Uh, yeah, when you're building, uh, sometimes those building materials go missing. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I thought about that today when we were sitting down to to discuss Noah. Now, Noah lived in in 
a time perhaps even more wicked than our time. Mm. You know, I mean, all flesh was corrupt. The, the, the earth was filled with violence. Every, everybody was corrupt except for Noah and his family. Yeah. And so uh, perhaps the Bible doesn't say anything about it, but, you know, perhaps Noah, he had to keep plowing on and doing. And after he, he faced perhaps many setbacks, Yeah. Um, you know, materials delivered. And then set out there ready to be, you know, to be hoisted up and and uh, to be put into the ark. And then after uh, he sleeps, gets up in the morning and like you. Oh, yeah. He, he comes to the building site and and his materials are gone. <laughs> you know, I, I would almost guarantee. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I can almost guarantee that there was somebody that came by and was like, oh, that's a nice stack of gopher wood there. I could use that. And they just hauled it off, you know, in the middle of the night. And he came out the next morning. And his supplies that he thought he was going to be using to construct that day were gone. And he had to go cut more trees and he had to, you know, plane more lumber uh, so that he could uh, continue the build of the ark. I'm sure that happened. Yeah. Uh, just with the intent, every intent of man was evil. So someone probably came by and stole some stuff from him, I'm sure. That's right. And did he quit? No. No. He continued to persevere. And, of course, that was a large task for – and I don't know if he got any of the, the people that were unbelievers to help him build the ark and preach to them. We don't know if it was just him and his sons and their wives that were actually doing uh, all the labor. Uh, I just imagine he probably hired out some people that probably didn't believe in God. You can be a owner of a Christian construction company and, and lead your company, you know, by Christian standards, but have lost people still working for you, you know. Yep. And so – but anyway – when things got missing and got stolen and he had these setbacks, he didn't quit. He just kept on and he did what God asked him to do. And of course, you know, today, if you go to, to build a home, the bank's going to require that you have insurance. Uh, so in the case that you have something stolen, well, you got to pay that deductible. You find that out. But you have some insurance, you know, to to uh, provide more material. Yeah. Well, who was his insurance policy? He had the, the God insurance policy. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's exactly right. right. That's, that's pretty cool. And so what's interesting is the Bible says, as we've discussed here, that uh, Noah was an obedient builder. He was an all-in builder. Uh, but the whole time he was building, he was preaching as well. And so I want us to look now at uh, Noah as the preacher. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says uh, that through his faith in building the ark, Noah condemned the world. And then over in 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 5, it refers to Noah as a preacher of righteousness. Uh, Noah and his sons, we believe, uh, labored on the ark for probably 100 years or more and uh, to construct that, that large boat. And so Noah, the whole time, 100 and some odd years, was preaching the entire time. And what's amazing he didn't convert a single person. Now, Dad, as a preacher, how does that make you feel to, to think that you, you spent that long in ministry and not able to get a single person to believe what you're saying? Now, there's been many a time that uh, after I preached my heart out on Sunday, and especially when I felt like God laid on my heart to preach an evangelistic message, because I don't always preach evangelistic-type messages. I try to include evangelism in my sermons, but a specific one, and then nobody comes down, and I think, well, you know, God, uh, there was Noah, and uh, he didn't preach one message. He preached a lot and had no converts. You That's know? right. Yeah, like his his sermon was his actual construction project, right? I mean, I'm sure he was out there a building. I'm sure that no doubt all the people around knew of Noah and his construction project. And many probably came by the build site and, and you know, said, hey, Noah, what are you doing? 
And, and why are you doing it? And I'm sure that Noah would respond and say, well, you know, the God of heaven uh, that created everything, he's seen how wicked uh, all of you are, and he's going to destroy the, this, this world. He's going to destroy everyone in it. And uh, I'm building this ark because he told me to. And I'm sure he probably threw in the pitch there that they needed to turn away from their evilness and their wickedness and turn toward God. Um, but no one believed him. You know, I, I feel like Noah was the laughing stock uh, of of the, the the society in the town that he was in there. Um, the people probably just thought he was the crazy old man out there uh, slaving away, trying to build this giant structure That's right. for uh, something called a flood. They ain't, they had never seen a flood. Yeah, They probably were sitting around and, and talking to each other and said, that crazy old man, he's out there building that big old structure. And he said something about there's going to be water all over the place. And they just would shake their heads and couldn't believe uh, what he was saying. That's right. I want you to think about the objections that uh, Noah might have heard to his preaching. For instance, uh, folks might have said, well, why would God be so cruel to destroy his own creation? Kind of like we hear people today that say, well, uh, if God is so loving, why would he send people to hell? Mm -hmm. Why do I need what you've got to say? Um, How arrogant you are, Noah, to think that God revealed to you alone what's going to happen. Who are you to predict the future, Noah? Who are you to condemn others and claim that your God is the only way to salvation? Noah, you're just off your rockers. You're one shy well, you're one fry short of a Happy Meal. You're one brick short of the load, Noah. Noah, you're a, an idiot. You're insane. You're a religious fanatic. And I can just imagine, like you said, Matt, while he was out there building that ark, fathers brought their children to laugh at Noah and make fun. Perhaps like people go to the zoo and they stand and they look at the funny monkey in the in in the pen there, you know. Oh, there's no harm to him. He's just a funny monkey. And they probably brought people out there to look at Noah and just laughed at Noah. You're insane. But you know what? Noah was the only sane one in the bunch. But in spite of his ridicule, Noah prepared prepared the ark following God's instructions and reverence for 120 years Noah preached like you said Matt without a convert Noah believed Noah until the torrents of rain fell and then it was too late that's it was right. too late that's right and that rain began to fall and it continued for 40 days and the waters began to rise and then every living thing that moved on the earth perished except those that were in the ark. Uh, it was too late for them to, to to make that decision and to change their mind. You know, Dad. Um, as we as we begin to to wrap up here and looking at this, the next thing I want us to look at is Noah, the heir. And so, if we look um, at the closing words of Hebrews eleven verse seven, our, our text for today, it says that Noah became an heir of righteousness. And the, the literal meaning of the word heir is someone that has been appointed to receive an inheritance. Now, what type of an inheritance does an heir of righteousness receive? Well, the Bible tells us that the inheritance includes salvation, eternal life, and even a measure of God's uh, throne, the throne of Christ, because he says, you can come and sit with me here on this throne, those of those who have been appointed as heirs of righteousness. Now, what I find interesting, and I want to make sure that we're clear, and, and Dad, I feel like we've we've beat this uh, war drum throughout our podcast history, is the, the last uh, part of that verse says that Noah received his inheritance and was made an heir through his faith. Okay, and I want to be very clear here. The fact that Noah built an ark 
and, and that work that he did is not why he was made righteous and accounted for righteousness and saved. It was not his, his works. It was not what he had done with his hands. Uh, it was his faith. It right. was the fact that he believed God and he trusted God and he walked with God. And when God told him to do something, his faith led to obedience and his obedience led to works. And that's the way that, you know, it's designed is that we're going to have works, but it's going to be works done out of faith. And so from that faith, um, he was accounted to righteousness and was made an heir of righteousness. And what's what's great is that is the same inheritance uh, that that is uh, made available um, that was made available to Noah is made available to you and to me today. And it was made available to us through the shed blood of Jesus. And so when we place our faith in Jesus and we turn from our sins, we too can become heirs of righteousness. So the question I have is, are you an heir today? Is your name written in what we could consider to be the last will and testament? That's what we refer to as the book of life. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's not, let's get that right today. Put your faith, put your trust in Jesus, turn from your sins. We we use that word repentance um, on this podcast. Did a whole uh, episode way back early on. You can go back and check one of the first few episodes. We talked about repentance and what that means. But in short, it means turning uh, from your sins. Uh, being uh, having contrition for your sins and, and, and being remorseful for your sins and trying not to do it anymore. And when you do that, you will be granted this inheritance. So I would encourage anyone who's out there listening today, put your faith and trust in Jesus today. You know, Dad, as I was thinking about this and thinking about Noah and what we've talked about so far about him being a believer and him being a, a builder, him being a preacher and an heir, um, it would be real easy for, for our listeners to get the uh, thought that Noah was just, you know, this perfect person. And, uh, you know, when we did our initial uh, intro to to this uh, series, I talked about the people in the Hall of Faith. They were normal, average people like you and me, and they had flaws. And But so far, we've looked at Abel, and we don't know a whole lot about Abel, but we saw that he had a, a sacrifice that was preferred. And, and so we don't really see where he messed up. Uh, well, then we talked about Enoch. We only have a few verses about Enoch, and it looked like Enoch did everything right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we get here to to Noah, and if you just look at the verses we've covered thus far today, you think, well, well Noah had it all together. Uh, Matt, the bar seems really high. And, and uh, tell me there's somebody in this Hall of Faith that's like me. And so I want to encourage you today that uh, Noah made mistakes as well. Now, we don't know much about Noah's life for the—I think it was the first 300 years. I think he was about 300 years old when he started building the building the ark. And so obviously he had made mistakes and had failures uh, during that time, but he was a just and upright man. But if we look over in chapter 9 and look at uh, verse— uh, 20 and 21. This is post-ark, okay? Uh, so the flood has come, the, the the ark has saved Noah and his family, and the waters have receded, and uh, God puts that new covenant that he's never going to flood the earth again, um, or never destroy the earth again with water, that is. We know it's going to be destroyed by fire next time. Um, and so he, he gives the command to Noah and his family that they are to, to be plentiful, and they are to multiply, and they are to repopulate the earth. Well, shortly after giving uh, that that command, we see that Noah has gone back to his original trade. He's a farmer. And uh, the Bible says here in verses 20, And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. And then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. So that's verses 20 and 21. And so think about this. Uh, Noah 
had just been used greatly by God. I mean, he, 20, 120 years building an ark, him and his family were the only ones uh, that were, were given grace to be saved from the destruction of human the human race, mm-hmm. and then God selected them to repopulate. But here Noah is, he's getting drunk, and we know that drunkenness is a sin. And not only was he drunk, he was also lewd. He had uh, removed all of his clothes and was naked, um, and so he had lost all self-control. And uh, we know that that uh, obviously that self control is something we talked about as as being a a, a part of a, a believer and and that's one of the things alcohol does it tries to inhibit your self control mm-hmm. and so uh, Noah made a mistake here he, uh, he was sinning against God after being used of God and and so I think though it's comforting though that we go all the way over to the New Testament the Hebrews and find ourselves in chapter eleven verse seven and here we find Noah. And so no doubtably Noah had repented of his sin and went to God and said, God, forgive me, I shouldn't have done that. And, uh, and, and God saw favor upon him and gave him grace and mercy once more, and he was accounted as an heir of righteousness. That's exactly right. So Noah obviously repented based on the fact that he's in Hebrews chapter 11. He obviously repented. That's right. You know, when I was thinking about Noah and sort of preparing uh, some thoughts today for this podcast, something jumped out to me, Matt, that uh, I had never really noticed before, and it never come to my mind before, pertaining to Noah and the, and the judgment of God. Now, over in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1 and verse 4, you know, after the ark was completed, the Lord said to Noah, verse 1 of chapter 7, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Verse 4, for after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. Now, uh, in, in regard to numerology, the number six in the Bible is the number for man. The number seven is the number for God. So I, I, whenever time I see seven in the Bible, it, it, it uh, draws my attention that maybe God's saying something specifically to us. This mm-hmm. is the number for God yep. in the Bible. Now, Noah, after the ark was completed, everything was ready. He went inside the ark, is what the Scripture says, for seven days before the judgment came. All right, when I think of seven, I also think about the, the seven years of tribulation. Mm-hmm. Just prior to the Lord bringing tribulation upon the earth, something like the world's never seen before, uh, just you know, prior to the coming of Jesus, you know, we believe, I believe, that God is going to rapture to catch up believers to heaven, and so in heaven, uh, we will be in heaven while the world will be going through tribulation, and then at the end of that seven years of tribulation, Jesus is going to come back. Now, during the tribulation, that is definitely God judging the world for its sin and the inhabitants of the world for their sin. But the judgment that the people experience during those seven years leading up to the very end is nothing compared to the judgment that people are going to experience when Christ returns when he comes back in the air at the end of the seven years. So I think about Noah being in the ark for seven years. I think about how that compares to the church is going to be in heaven for seven years during the tribulation. And at the end of the seven years, then Jesus will return in in the final act of judgment the saints of God will return with him. Now, let's go back to what Enoch said. We talked about him last week. 
Enoch, you remember, prophesied, and we believe that he prophesied about the the coming judgment of the flood. But what he said was going to happen uh, over uh, in Jude chapter, uh, well, excuse me, Jude chapter one. There's only one chapter, verse fourteen. What he said also has a dual uh, a a dual application to the return, the visible return of Jesus to the earth at the end of the seven years of tribulation. Uh, Jude, uh, verse 14 says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints, verse 15, to execute judgment on all to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they've committed in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Remember, we quoted this last time we had our podcast in this series. So here I I see that, you know, a, a parallel that, you know, just like Noah was in the ark, for seven days after the ark was completed, uh, awaiting the the ultimate judgment of God, the flood, we're going to be in heaven for seven years during the tribulation, awaiting the return of the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven to this earth. And we're going to be coming with him, just like Enoch prophesied and predicted. And hey, here's something else, uh, talking about numerology. Here's a different way of looking at this. Uh we can pretty much figure that the earth is around 6,000 years of age. The man's been on the earth. The earth's been in existence for 6,000 years. You say, how in the world do you know that, preacher? Because you start with the genealogies that's particularly given in Genesis and bringing it up to our time. The The world's approximately 6,000 years old. I know there's a lot of evolutionists out there that say that uh, that's not true. Well, listen, you just need to go and, and, and listen to some of the material that Ken Ham does. Go visit the Creation Museum, look at Ark Encounter, and open your eyes up to the truth, folks. The world is 6,000 years of age. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus, once he returns, is going to reign on this earth for 1,000 years. That's called the millennial reign. Now, this is just food for thought, but wouldn't it be interesting uh, if it worked out this way? Uh, We've We've been in existence, the earth has, people on earth for 6,000 years. Jesus could come back at any point in time. It might be today, might be tomorrow. And, uh, you know, seven years go by, and then Christ returns, like I've just mentioned, at the end of the tribulation. Then we go into the 1,000-year millennial reign, making 7,000 years. And so then at the end of the millennial reign, if, if you go back and you examine what we taught about in the book of Revelation, that 10 lesson series, you know, we had a lesson pertaining to what happens at the end of the millennial reign, that God is going to destroy the world by fire. Now, the first time it was destroyed by flood, the second time it's going to be by fire. And, uh, of course, this is just a mere speculation uh, that to say that Christ could return, you know, in in just a few short years, and and then we go into the thousand year millennial reign, making seven thousand years before the earth is completely destroyed. But hey, gives you something to think about, doesn't it? And and if that were true, we best be getting our rapture shoes on, getting ready to meet Jesus. That's exactly right. Well, uh, everyone, we appreciate you listening into this uh, episode and. 
I uh, just want to to kind of recap and, and and give you the purpose for why we're doing this, right? We called this uh, series By Faith, and uh, the goal was to go back and look at this Hall of Faith, and the purpose of the Hall of Faith is to really... Uh, to give examples, uh, but also to encourage people. And so that's what I'm hoping uh, that this series is going to do. It's going to give you examples of of those who live lives of faith in the Bible and encourage you to live by faith as well. Um, because sometimes, you know, this world can be hard, hard and cold and uh, it can be challenging to, to keep your faith. But um, I enjoy going back and, and looking at, you know, think about Noah and just how much faith he had to build a building and, or to build a structure that he had never seen uh, for an event that he had never heard of, a flood. Uh, what faith uh, that he he presented and all of the overthink, things he probably had to overcome in that process. And if he can do it, I can do it and you can do it. And that's the, the purpose of uh, this episode is to encourage you uh, to live by faith. You know, uh, Matt. I want to add one more thing because it's just in my heart right here to add. The uh, think about the fact that Noah, you know, by faith he built the ark, and as he was preparing the boat, he was trying to prepare the people in hopes that they'd get on board this ark. Yep. They didn't listen to him. Moms and dads didn't listen to him, and uh, and and didn't turn to God. And when God sent the flood, it destroyed everybody. The moms and dads that didn't listen. Uh, to the preaching of Noah, the truth of God's word, it destroyed their children too. They all perished. Mm-hmm. You think about the fact in the city of Sodom, God went in there to pull righteous Lot and his family out. And not all his family came out. His married daughters and son-in-laws uh, didn't come out, but the, the girls that were in the home, you know, younger girls, they came out with Lot. They were spared. But all the, the parents and the boys and girls of that city perished you know and lot was a righteous man you know and and it it tore him up you know the the evil that was in there but he continued to live there god got him out but all those people perished now you know we all say and i do believe that uh uh, children that have not reached the age of accountability when they die they go to heaven i think i think there's uh, plenty of reason in the bible to believe that but a lot of people presume that when jesus returns in the air all children's going to vanish off this earth and uh and will not be down here during the judgment of god well is that what took place during noah's time is that no. what took place during sodom's time nope. listen uh men and women is listening to me uh you know that don't don't seem to be concerned about the things of God. Are you not concerned where your children spend eternity? Are you not concerned about the fact that if Jesus were to come back today, that it just might be that your kids won't be taken. They're going to be left down here to endure tribulation. It could be the only children that's going to go up to heaven that hadn't reached the age of accountability. It's going to be the children of the righteous, just like Noah and his family, Lot and his family. So I'm telling you today, uh, to wake up out there in podcast land, and uh, it's, it's amazing to me the people that's uh, that is just uh, really going to far extremes about the vaccination and saying that oh well that might be the mark of the beast. There's no way that's the mark of the beast. Now whether you take it or not, that's left up to you. I know that's putting something in your body. I understand that. But let me tell you something, folks. A lot of people that uh, that saying I'm not going to take it because it could be the mark, they don't even go to church. And you might be one of them. You don't even go to church. You don't live for God during the week. And you got kids in your home. Folks, 
learn something from what happened to Noah and the people on the earth. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Dad, if you will, pray us out of here. Father in heaven, thank you, O God, for giving us this opportunity to examine the life of Noah, this man of faith. He was all in when you asked him to do something. He wasn't partially in. He was all in. And Lord, there's a lot of people in our podcast audience. They're not all in when it comes to serving you, O God. One of the least things that we can do is go to church, and they're not even all in when it comes to going to church. And our heavenly Father, Noah, was all in. He gave it his all. He trusted you, and you provided everything he needs. I pray, dear God, that you'd use his faith uh, as a way to bring about conviction in those, Lord, that claim to be your children that's not all in, uh, that's not fully committed to you like they should be. And, Lord, for those that perhaps ran across this a podcast today on Noah, help them to really think about the fact that if they really love their children, And uh, if they're not concerned about themselves, they ought to be concerned about their children and where their children's going to be when the judgment of God comes. So, Lord, wake them up out there. And, uh, God, we pray that you'd work in their lives and bring about salvation in the homes of these people that's lost. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.